Well, I want to welcome everyone who's watching us via the live stream, also those who are watching from the TV and those who are here in the house. Would you welcome everybody if you would? We're so glad that you could be a part. So cool. Every week we get a little bit more and more people coming back. We're so excited about that, friends. We're doing everything in our power to make sure this is a very safe, sanitized environment. And we would love if whenever you feel comfortable to come back and worship with us. There's something about being in the house that changes everything. And... Um, one of the cool things that's going to be happening at the end of our service is outside on the Riverside campus at the basketball courts and also under the tents. I know this is also happening at the other campuses as well, is we're celebrating baptisms. We have over 40 people getting baptized tonight on all of our campuses, so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we are beginning a brand new series called Under the Surface. It's all these different emotions, all these different feelings that we have that have been bumbling under the surface for the past few months, and we're going to talk about how to navigate some of these things, and today we're going to talk about navigating loneliness. When Gene Apple was 29 years old, he was the pastor of a church in Las Vegas, Everything was going great. More people were coming every week. They were in the middle of a building program. They had just cut the ribbon from the building program. He was so excited. Everybody got a grand tour of the new facility. That night, he went home with his wife, but his wife seemed just a little bit off. He asked her what was wrong, and she broke down, and she said, I don't love you anymore. You've been spending so much time at the church, and I've met another man who I work with, and I'm leaving you to be with him. Well, Eugene was devastated at the news of this, and he tried to convince her to give him a second chance, but she wasn't hearing any of that. So the next morning, he called the elders of the church. He submitted his resignation as a result of the pending divorce. The elders called him and his wife in. They talked about their relationship and what had gone wrong. They searched the scriptures to see if Gene even needed to resign from his position. They knew that Gene had not been perfect in the relationship by any stretch of the imagination. He had definitely given way too much time to the church and neglected his bride. But he had been faithful, and he wanted to reconcile the relationship. She, on the other hand, had no interest in that at all. And so they kept him on as their pastor. And for the next few months, they ministered to him during a very, very difficult time. Now, fast forward. It's Christmas Eve. Gene has just gotten done with the last Christmas Eve service. It's about 9.30 at night. Here's his plan. He's going to get a bite to eat. Then he's going to pack his bags because the next day he's flying to the Midwest to be with his family to celebrate Christmas. Well, I don't know if you know anything about Christmas Eve, but a lot of businesses shut down. So he's driving around at 9.30. Now, you would think the strip would be alive and kicking, but he didn't want to eat at the strip. So he went to a McDonald's. It was closed. Burger King, it was closed. Wendy's, it was closed. 24-hour food mart closed as well. And every time he would drive by a business, every time he would drive by a house, all he could think about was the people that were inside those houses that were enjoying each other's company. He ends up in a place called Sam's Town, which is a country western casino. He goes in to order the blue plate special. He's sitting there eating meatloaf and mashed potatoes, and he's just feeling sorry for himself. 
He thinks to himself, my goodness, this a few minutes ago, I was speaking to over 2,000 people. I've got more friends than, than a person should ever have, and I feel so desperate, and I feel so empty, and I feel so lonely. And Gene writes, just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, somebody put a quarter in the jukebox, and Elvis Presley began to sing, Are you lonesome tonight? He said he had to laugh to keep from crying. He said, why am I so lonely? Got a great church, I've got some friends, I'm going tomorrow to head to the Midwest to be with my family, celebrate Christmas. And then he thought, I've had these overwhelming feelings of loneliness, how much more so do other people who don't have those things? He said, I shouldn't even feel lonely, but those people who don't have those things in life, how do they navigate those lonely feelings? Loneliness, friends, no one is immune to it. Just ask the divorcee who just moved into a single-bedroom apartment. Ask them about their loneliness. Ask the stay-at-home mom who longs for some adult conversation. Ask her about her loneliness. Ask the single person who's still waiting on Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Ask them about their loneliness. Ask the family who's just moved from another part of the country into this part of the country. Ask them about their loneliness. How about this? Ask the widow who now walks into a house that's cold and empty, a house that was so full of life and vitality. Ask them about their loneliness. After my dad passed away, my mom would be running around doing different errands around town something funny would happen, and she thought, I really want to go home, and I want to tell Ted about this. And she would rush home to tell my dad, forgetting that he, was, he had passed away, and she said she'd come through the front door, and the stillness of that house so overwhelmed her. She said it was like a flood that hit me again. I realized once again that Ted wasn't home, and that he wouldn't be home ever again. Loneliness. The band's going to sing a song about it, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to tell you the keys to overcoming it. Listen to the words of this song. Got to keep dancing in 
do with loneliness? What, what, what do we do with this? Well, for a lot of us, we fake it. We act like we're not lonely. I mean, somebody says, hey, how you doing? I'm great. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. And deep down inside, nothing seems to be right. There's this restlessness. There's this emptiness that's inside of you. And so for a lot of people, they try to figure out ways that they can somehow, you know, mask it and get rid of it. And I know a lot of people, they dive themselves into other things so that they don't have to think about the emptiness and the loneliness that they're feeling. For example, there's a lot of people that dive into being a workaholic. And so they work and 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 they just think to themselves, if I can just get enough, if I stay busy enough, then I'll never have to sit and be silent and understand the restlessness that's inside of me, the emptiness that is inside of me. Uh, Pete Wilson, he is a, was a pastor, and after the service one weekend, he was out in the foyer, and he was greeting different people, and a man walked up to him and shook his hand, and in his hand, he had a business card. And Pete didn't think much about it. He gets a lot of business cards from different people who go to his church, and so he put the business card in his pocket and went about his day. He went home. He had lunch, watched a football game that afternoon. Finally, it was time to go to bed that evening. He was emptying out his pockets, and he looked at that business card, and he flipped it over onto the other side. And on the other side, the businessman had written, Please call me. I need help. Well, it was too late at night for Pete to make the phone call, and so he kind of was restless all night long, thinking, what does this guy need my help with? Well, the next morning, he calls the guy on the phone, and this is what the guy said. He said, I I've lost my job, and I, and I don't know what to do. Well, Pete, being a pastor, he's trying to you know, give him the bright side of things. He says, listen, no jobs come, jobs go. It's going to be okay. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. God's going to use you to do significant things for his kingdom. Don't worry about it. I'm sure God's already paving a path for you. And the guy said, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. My, my job is my everything. I've poured my whole life into my job. I put off relationships. I didn't get married because of my job. I put off friendships because of my job. And I was really good at my job, and I can't believe that they're letting me go. And then he said this, I don't want to even live anymore. What happened to this person? Well, he's filling himself up with success, right? He was filling himself up with busyness and being a workaholic, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And when that was stripped from him, he had nothing of substance to hold on to. He had no foundation for his life, did he? And as a result of that, he was lost. He was empty. Now he's confusing what he does with who he is. And who you are and what you do are two completely different things. But he had lost his all sense of reason because he was trying to fill the emptiness inside of him by being a workaholic. I've seen other people who have unbelievable loneliness in their life and they turn to alcohol. And then they can't go 
to bed or live a single day unless they've had at least one or two drinks. It's the drink that they turn to for strength. It's the drink that gives them peace. It's the drink that fills the emptiness inside of them. Other people are so lost and so empty and so lonely that they turn to drugs. And the new abuse that we have in the United States of America and around the world is prescription drugs. And we keep getting those things refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled and we abuse those things. What are we doing? We're trying to fill something inside of us that can only be filled through a relationship with Jesus. Still other people, they face their loneliness and they say, you know, I'm just going to move from one bed to another. I'm just going to have one night, one night stand after another one night stand and I'm just going to hop around as much as I possibly can. Because certainly I'm looking for love, I'm looking for some kind of companionship, and so I'm just going to jump from one relationship to the next to the next. And then there are other people who don't do that. No, they, they get onto online pornography, which is the number one use of the internet today. So many people are lost and empty and alone that they turn to an image on a screen, they turn to a video on a screen to somehow fill the emptiness that they have inside of them. And whenever you engage in that kind of stuff, you just end up more empty at the end, don't you? Still, other people, they, they decide to get rid of their loneliness through materialism. I'm sure none of us know anything about this, right? Anybody got a three-car garage and you can't fit your cars in your three-car garage? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. Does Amazon really have to come to your house every single day? Ladies, how many pairs of shoes is enough? I was hoping you'd know the answer because my wife and three daughters don't. I was just curious if you might know what it is. How many gadgets and gizmos is enough? We buy things. And we, we buy them and we, and we bring them into our home and we think that this is going to somehow bring about peace. This is going to take away the emptiness. This is going to take away the loneliness. And, and people are going to look at us and they're going to admire us because of the size of our home or the coolness of our car. And it's all just a disguise. It's all just a temporary fix for what's really going on in their life. And here's what's really sad. There's a lot of people that have tried all those things to get rid of their loneliness. They've dove into every single one of the things that I've just talked about, and none of them satisfies you. You know what they do? They decide to take their life. And it, have, you, have you noticed during the stay-at-home order, during the quarantine, the, the rise in suicide? the mental health issues that took place as a result as people were isolated and left alone to deal with the demons inside their heart, inside their soul, and they were ill-prepared for it. And it's teenagers. I think that's the number one or number two killer of kids today is suicide. Here you get this bright young person who's got the whole world in front of them, and they think that, man, nothing satisfies me. I'm empty. I'm lost. I'm alone. And so they say, you know what, I'd better off, be better off dead than I ever would be alive. Did you know every 72 seconds a teenager tries to kill themselves? And every 90 minutes a kid succeeds and ends their life? And if you're in this room and you're kind of having those kinds of thoughts from time to time, if you're contemplating that, if you're watching me right now at home and you're thinking about doing something so foolish as this, you need to call us right now, you need to text us right now so we can have a conversation with you. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life that's greater than anything you've ever dreamed or imagined. And suicide is a temporary solution, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And God doesn't want that for you. 
He didn't place you on this earth so you would end it when life got tough. And he said, I'll come into your world and I'll walk with you through the storms that you face. So you call me, you text me at 505-922-9200 if you're feeling those types of things in your life right now. You are not alone. There is a God, the creator of heavens and the earth, who is desperately in love with you. So how do we fill this up, friends, with the right stuff? How do we push away all the noise of this world that says this will satisfy and this will fill it and you won't be lonely anymore if you try this? How do we get rid of all that garbage to the real essence of what we really need? How do we leave loneliness behind? There's three keys. Now listen, all three of these sound super simple. They're awfully hard to actually pull off and to do, especially for a person who is lonely and discouraged and depressed. The first thing is this. The only way the ache goes away is through a deep relationship with Jesus. No more superficiality. No no more I'm just going to do church one hour on the weekend kind of stuff. It's a deep, intimate relationship with God. Listen, you were created with a God-shaped hole that only only God can fulfill that. And, And you know it. You, you know that to be true, and yet we try the promotions, and we try the plotitudes, and we try the paycheck, and we think, oh, this is what success is about. This is what life's about, and so we're still empty inside. So you know what we do? This is so classic of us. We get married. We think, if I get married, the loneliness will go away. You ever met anybody who's married and lonely still? You can be living in the same, under the same roof of someone's house and still feel completely isolated and completely se- separated from that person. We thought that would work, though. So I'll get married. I'll take away the loneliness. That didn't work. So what did you do? What did you do? You had kids. You thought, well, we'll have kids. We'll have little sinners running around. You know, we won't be lonely anymore. How's that, how's that working out for you? I got to tell you the story. There was, a, there was a teacher who was grading homework that this little boy had turned in. And the teacher's homework was just a mess and messing, check marking everything. And the teacher looked at the kid and said, I don't know how one person can make this many mistakes on their homework. And the little boy said, well, it wasn't just me. My dad helped me too. <laughs> little sinner throwing his dad under the bus, you know. Why, why, why do we love God so much? Well, he saw us in this broken world that we've broken. Where we're isolated and we're separated and where sin has caused us to feel things and believe things. He saw us lost. He saw us confused. He saw us lonely. So what did he do? Did he just sit on his hands and just let us suffer? God entered our world through Jesus. And Jesus walked our streets. And Jesus felt pain and isolation and separation and loneliness. Do you remember on the cross? 12 noon, the sky grows dark as midnight, and Jesus cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took the depths and the despair 
of the greatest loneliness that there ever was, and he put it upon himself. God the Father turned his back on his only son, and Jesus felt separation from his dad. It was a dark hole unlike anything he had ever experienced before. Take your worst day, compound it by about, I don't know, 10 billion percent, and you get an inkling of what Jesus is facing on that cross. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why in the world did he do that? He went through all that pain, all that agony, and all that aloneness so that you would never be alone ever again. And here's the promise of God that when you ask him into your life, when you trust Jesus to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, God imparts inside of you his precious Holy Spirit. When the Bible talks about that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, it's the Holy Spirit that takes occupancy inside of you. He will never desert you. And he'll lead you, and he'll guide you, and he'll comfort you. He'll convict you of your sin. He'll draw you into a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He overwhelms us with the love of God when everything in our life is falling down around us. Look at what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the words that Jesus said right before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You say, well, Todd, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that I give my life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes inside me. It's going to fill the emptiness. But can I be honest with you, Todd? Can I just be gut level honest? I said, well, sure. What, what, what do you got? Why do I still feel empty? Because I've prayed and asked Jesus to come in my life, I don't know, 100, 150 times. Why do I still feel empty? Why do I still feel lost? Why am I still so, so lonely? Is something wrong with me? No, nothing's wrong with you. Loneliness is a human emotion. We're going to have that from time to time. But can I ask you a real serious question? Are you really leaning upon the Lord? Or, or, or have you settled for something less than? I mean, are you really in the Word of God every day? I, do you really pray and pour your heart out to Him? Do you seek His face? I mean, truly, do you, do you understand that it's a relationship that's closer than a brother, that he does want to walk with you and talk with you and do life together with you? Are you enjoying the presence of the Lord as you go about your life on a day-by-day -day basis? Because you know what I think is true about a lot of people is they profess Jesus with their mouth, but they don't take Jesus with them anywhere they go, or they rarely do. It's just not a part of who they are. And so what do they do? They still face the world in their own strength, in their own abilities, in their own power. They don't lean upon God. They don't seek the face of God. And they wonder why they're still lonely. We're not even tapping into the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We're not surrendering our will to his will. We're not saying, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your love. And that's why we continue to walk through this earth as if we're alone. Even though he is with us, we don't even tap into him being there. I mean, can you honestly say that you're seeking him with everything that you've got, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? Or somewhere along the way you've settled 
You settled in your relationship with God. You have not pursued him like you pursued the stuff of this world. And the reason we're still so lost and alone and so empty, because we don't have any time to even spend to talk with him. Here's the interesting thing, friends. If you're lonely today, I want you to understand, Jesus wants to come into your loneliness. And he wants to overwhelm you with his presence. He wants to give you strength like you've never had before, but you've got to lean into him. You've got to ask him for it. He was a strong man, facing an enemy that was far greater than anything he had ever faced before, and he was losing desperately. His wife had passed away, and he stood there at the graveside holding the hand of his five-year-old daughter, putting six feet into the ground his entire world. It rained that day. How appropriate. Service was short. It was brief. And it was brutal. And when it was over, he grabbed the hand of his daughter and they headed to the car. And some of his friends gathered around him and said, listen, don't go home. You're not ready to face that empty house on your own. Stay with us for a few days. And then when all the shock and the trauma of everything that's transpired these last few weeks finally comes to a close, and maybe when you feel the strength, you can go back home. He said, no, we've got to face this. So he got in his car, he drove down the same road he had driven a thousand times before, he pulled into his driveway, got out of his car with his daughter, walked into that cold, dark, lifeless house. They sat at the dining room table and each ate a bowl of cereal. And then they walked up those creaky steps into that dark hallway. He got his daughter ready for bed, tucked her into bed. And he walked down the hall into his own bedroom and sat there and he cried. And in the distance, he heard his daughter weeping. And he didn't know what to do. He didn't really know how to comfort her. That was the job that his wife always had. And so he listened to her for over an hour. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore. He walked down the hallway. He sat down onto the bed. He reached for his daughter. It was so dark. He tried to comfort her with some words, tried to caress her hair, tried to coax her to go to sleep. And finally the sniffles stopped and she stopped crying. It was then that the man said a little prayer. He said, Father, I trust you, but it's as dark as midnight. The little girl heard the dad's prayer and she started crying again. The dad was surprised because he thought that she was asleep. She said, Daddy, I can't see you. But you still love me, don't you, even though it's dark? You're still there, aren't you, Daddy? Even though it's dark. And the dad picked his daughter up, held her in his arms, and he rocked her until she finally fell asleep. And then he took those same questions that that little girl had just asked him, and he shot him up to heaven. He said, Father, you still love me even though it's dark, don't you? You're still there even though it's dark. That gentleman said that he felt the presence of God in that room like he had never felt before in his entire life, and God gave him strength and courage to make it another minute and then a minute turned to an hour, and before he knew it, he was asleep 
And the next day had dawned, and he learned to lean upon the strength of God unlike anything he'd ever done before. Friends, are you leaning upon the strength of God in the midst of your loneliness, or are you facing that giant on your own? Because the giant of loneliness will overpower you. I think about uh, David. You ever read the Psalms? David wonders, where's God in the midst of all this? Of course, God was there, but that's what he was feeling. And so what did David do? Psalm after psalm after psalm, he just cries out to God. And he begs God to overwhelm him. He begs God to show himself to be true. And that's what you have to do. You cannot settle for some superficial, shallow relationship with the creator of the ends of the earth. You've got to seek him as you would seek buried treasure. You've got to realize that he is the source of life and he is the source of peace and that you won't settle for anything less than the very best that God has for you. So if you want to leave loneliness behind, you've got to dive into a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus where he becomes the priority of your life. Do you have that? See, easy to understand, very hard to do. Let me give you the second one if you want to leave loneliness behind. You've got to reach out to a friend when you feel lonely. How many couldn't stand the stay-at-home order? Just out of curiosity, just raise your hand if you couldn't stand it. Okay. Now, there's probably many different reasons as to why you couldn't stand it, and we're not going to get political, so we won't do that. But um, what you really hated was that you were no longer allowed to see your friends. You can see your family, whatever, but... Couldn't see your friends in this room. Couldn't see the friends at the gym. They sent you home to work so you could even see your work friends. And you were isolated and, and you were cut off. And, and what does God's word say about stay-at-home orders? Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. See, we were created to have relationships, a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. Here's what's interesting. When we were cut off, we realized that we didn't have the great friendships that we thought we had. You see, here's what happened to some of us is you found out that your workout friends were nothing more than workout friends. Because that's all you had in common. And so you didn't have the interaction with them anymore because you weren't going to the gym and so you didn't have anything to talk about. And so when that gym situation was gone, so was the friendship. And some of you, you found out that your work friends, you know, that you've maybe shared a little bit of your life with along the way, which is probably never a good idea. But you found out that when they were working at their house and they were, you were working at yours and you didn't see them anymore and couldn't shoot the fat with them and shoot the breeze anymore, that that relationship began to dwindle away a little bit as well. You see, what you found out is, is that most of us have friendships, but they're based on very superficial and shallow things. We have such a hard time as human beings, broken people, to open our heart and share our vulnerabilities with someone. It's difficult to have a great depth of friendships. You know what we end up doing? We end up talking about the weather a lot, and we talk about current events an awful lot. And we talk about stuff that doesn't matter and stuff that doesn't count and stuff that doesn't last. And, and then when a crisis comes, we find out that those people are nice people, but they're not someone you can bear your soul with. I don't have a lot of friends. 
The reason I don't have a whole lot of friends is because I'm a very intense individual. I, I, does that shock you at all? <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I don't want to talk about the weather. And I don't want to talk about sports, even though the Kansas City Chiefs are awesome. That's all I want to say about that. I, I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's not, it's not, it's not a big deal in my life. You want to be my friend, you're going to have to bear your soul. And you're going to have to allow me to bear my soul. And here's what I found about friendship, is whatever you have in common, whatever the depth of whatever you have in common with the other person is, that's the depth of your friendship. And so I'm looking for people to be my friends who love the Lord their God with every fiber of their being. And so I, I, I invest in a, in a few people that you know, are sick of the superficial and are sick of the silliness talk that's out there. And they really want to get to the down the dirty like, hey, how are you really doing? And how, how, how are you doing in the word of God? And how, how are you doing with your prayer life? And, and how are you doing leading your family? How are you doing, man? And what you find is that those friendships in times of crisis, they're the ones that rise to the top. That's where your small group came in during that time, didn't it? You see, you crazy people started Zooming, even though you'd never Zoomed before in your life. And you weren't very good at it, just to be honest with you, right? I mean, there's a lot of... But you kept showing up. And some of you still, you're, you're Zooming every single week. You know, we have more small groups in our church right now than we've ever had before. Did you know that? That's amazing to me. And most of them can't meet. But what you found was is that your true friends were the ones that you had Jesus in common with. And so that's why you met out in the parking lots of our different campuses, right? It didn't matter how breezy it was outside. You had to see your friends. You had to talk about Jesus with them because it brought you support. It brought you life. So I got to ask you a question, lonely person. Do you have any friends? And I'm not talking about coworkers. I'm not talking about workout partners. I'm talking about people who do life with you, who get down in the dirty with you, and you have Jesus in common with them. And that's why I'm always pushing small groups. You've got to get in a small group. Got to get in a small group. Got to get in a small group. You want to get in a small group? You call me right now. You text me right now. You can do it where you're sitting right now. 505-922-9200. I promise you'll have a shot at making the best friends you've ever had in your life. Because at least you'll have Jesus in common with those people. So here's your homework assignment if you choose to accept it. You ready for some homework? Here it is. I want you to go home, or if you're already home, uh, just after I'm done, just go in the kitchen, okay? And uh, here's what you do. You get a piece of paper out, you get a pencil, and you write down every friend you've got. Acquaintances, friends, whatever. And then I want you to look at that list of all those people that you know, and then ask yourself the question, who could I take another step with? Who could I invest in to have a greater friendship with this person than I currently have? Because if you're lonely today and you're lacking friends, you have to show yourself friendly. And so that means that you go and you grab a cup of coffee and you keep a mask on. You put a straw underneath that thing and you, you talk to the friend. You know, Don't do that. It's so stupid. Okay, but you know, if you're drinking something, I guess it's okay, right? Is that what they're telling us right now? Invest in somebody else. Invest in your small group. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Don't sit at home watching TV. Day after day after day. Feeling lost and alone. 
Don't sit around having a pity party. Say, I got nobody to share my life with. You've chose that. You chose that, and God doesn't want that for you, and I don't want that for you. Give friendship a try. Let me give you the third one. You got to help somebody else along the way. Why are there so many lonely people? Because they're sitting rather than serving. So who could you lend a hand to? Who could you help out along the way? Who could you be the hands and feet of Jesus with? you got all these passions and all these abilities. Remember a few weeks ago we were talking about this? We said, well, your passion and your abilities collide. That's your sweet spot. That's how God wants to use you. I, I know people who haven't lifted a finger for the kingdom of God, and they're so empty, and they're so lonely. And, and here's what gets me is, is that you have something to offer. God placed that passion inside of you. God gave you those abilities. You can serve in the community. You can serve in your church. You can serve in your neighborhood. You can serve your family better than you've served it before. But what's your, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? And how can you leverage that for the kingdom of God and for the things of God? One of the best pictures I ever heard about serving other people uh, came from Oceanside, California years ago. There was a little boy. Uh, during the summer, he had been diagnosed with cancer. So he had to have chemotherapy and radiation and all of that. And as a result, his hair began to fall out, came out in clumps. And it was pretty apparent that they needed to shave the little boy's head. Well, school was coming up. And he was horrified to go to school. You know, kids can be cruel. You remember when you had a bad haircut, how kids would pick on you for the week or two till your hair grew out a little bit? Well, he's scared to death to go to school. Doesn't want any part of it. What he doesn't know is that the teacher has been calling the different parents, telling the situation about the little boy and how he's a little self-conscious about his hair. And so one little boy comes up with the idea that he's going to shave his head, and that gets out to another parent. It gets out to another parent. And the first day, get this, the first day that little boy with cancer comes walking through that door with a bald head. He looks, and he's astonished because 14 of his classmates shaved their heads too. News came, do a report. He said, why did you do it? And one of the little boys with the shaved head said, we didn't want him to be alone. We wanted him to know that we were with him. And that little boy, well, they hadn't seen him smile for a long time. But when he saw those other bald-headed kids, he had the biggest smile ever. You know who else had a smile on their face? The 14 boys who shaved their heads. Because there's something about serving other people. You always get back more than you give. And some of you don't understand that. Because you think life's about yourself and it's all about you. And you're sitting back and you're waiting for someone else to get you involved. No, 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 no. You get involved. You push through the barriers. You push through the fear. You make the phone call. You show up to the meeting. You do the uncomfortable. And before you know it, you're serving side by side with brothers and sisters in Christ, making the best friends and leaving this world in better shape than the way that you found it. It's where your passion and your abilities collide. Take a look at this testimony from Linda. She's one of our keyboard players. Take a look at this. My name is Linda, and I've been attending Sagebrush for 16 years now. I have served in the music ministry that entire time. I've also spent some time serving in Community Connect. So when I decided Thanks. not to pursue music as a 
full-time career choice back when I entered college. I said to God, God, you've given me abilities in music. Please take them and use them. And that, that's where that came from, that love for music and that desire to just give it to Him. I love serving. Serving just brings me so much joy. And I get to be part of God's great work. And that is such a privilege. I get fulfillment, purpose. I know that what I'm doing matters. Man, you don't, it's hard to find that in life. It goes beyond myself. And that gives so much value to what I do. So I want to serve because I, I'm just so grateful for what God has done. And I serve out of love. And to show others how much we love and serve them is the open door to sharing the news of Jesus. It's important that you think of serving at church because you're needed. You may think that there's plenty of other people to do the work, but everybody has a job to do. God has given you something to do, something important. And when you're part of that, God will put something wonderful together. If God's called you to do service for Him, do it and do it with your whole heart because it's what He's called you to do. It doesn't matter if anybody sees it. He's our audience.